Welcome to PTG TV. This is your host, Antonio Hicks, a.k.a. Escaping the Matrix. Welcoming back my co-host, Tamika Day, and my guest for this episode, Dr. Ladina Bolton, continuing our conversation of Does My Vote Matter? In this episode, we're going to be discussing more about voting and the cost of a campaign. Thank you for being a guest, Dr. Bolton, and welcome back, Ms. Day. Hello, everyone. This is Mrs. Day, and we would like to welcome Dr. Bolton to discuss some great information on not only does your vote matter, but let's talk about the cost of running a campaign. Like how expensive is it? How long should you, how how far in advance should you get started? So those are some of the topics that we are going to discuss on today. Why don't you introduce yourself, Dr. Bolt? I am excited to be here. I bet you can tell by the big smile on my face, but um, the first thing about me I have to mention is that I'm a mommy because I have Rugrats in my background, but I love them all the same. That's okay. I am a forensic chemist by trade, but I'm also a former candidate. I believe so much in the process that I wanted to do more than just vote in the process. I wanted to be a part of it so that I can change that process. So, uh, like you said, it's really important to talk about the funding, the funding and what it really takes to get a campaign off the ground. Yeah, so it, it, this kind of goes in line with uh, what Tamika and I was talking about on our previous episode. When I said when I was out meeting people, the first thing they would ask me is, how much money have you raised? And I was like, that's the most asinine thing you can ask somebody without talking to them about their values, who they are as a person, where do they come from, some of the things they've done within the community, what makes them so concerned about the community they want to actually run for office. And I told her the surefire way that you want to piss me off again because, you know, this is my show. You know, we're going to talk. We're going we gonna to call it like it is. It's once I hit the campaign trails again, do not walk up to me and say, hey, so how much have you raised right now? Because it's going to be a bad situation across the board. So the cost of a campaign. Now, it differs. By- I wanted to say that something, you know, aside from people just asking how much money I made, one thing that was really embarrassing to me, there's an article published um, about my race in the AJC. And in that race, they were very adamant about showing uh, the amount of money each candidate raised and use that as an indicator of who would win. And um, it did not pan out the way that they suggested. So like you said, that's not the most important question. That just says, who's the best fundraiser? That doesn't necessarily mean the people supported you in that fundraising uh, event or category, but... It just says you did something right, but not enough to win always. Right, because we had, I can't even, you know, I'm not even going to call her name, but we had a young lady that was running for Congress out in Gwinnett County. What is that, cities in, in District 7? They call her the Georgia's AOC. And she had raised millions and millions of dollars. And um, yeah, come primaries, yeah, she ain't make it. So if that's the indicator, <laughs> if that's the indicator, of how well I'm going to get voted in office by how much money I raised, then what happened with her? And so it, it seems to me that the formula that everybody was pitching when it came to, okay, if I made enough money, then I should be like a candidate for done paying out across the board. And they need to go back to school and uh, reevaluate that equation because it don't always equal one. So I guess me personally, I guess I'll start off with mine because I guess for me, I didn't care about money that much, even though you need money. Like, I'm one of them people that, you know, I'm going to hit the streets. I don't, you know, I don't require a whole lot of stuff. I'd rather go out and talk to the people. But uh, I think I raised, I think last episode, I said I raised about 8000 
all of that went towards signage and everything. I didn't have paid for staff. Hell, I had the staff I had. You know, it was only a handful of people when they did show up. So it was just me, myself, and I. Just me, myself, and I. I did all the advertisements. I did all the speeches. I did all the logos. I was the one printing all the signage. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, you know, it's sometimes you do need money if you, depending upon your area, like to get commercials out and make people more aware of you. I personally, when I say I don't care about it to that degree, I think if you focus so much more on money, when do you have time to focus on the people? Now, if you had a staff of people that came in and they could focus generally on that, I guess that would be a good thing and allow you more time to be around the people themselves. But for like a lot of us newcomers, we didn't necessarily have that. Even if you worked in political office before, you still need to have a group of people behind you that actually believe in you that will come into your campaign and help fundraise for you. And of course, you know, like I said, new candidates like myself and Dr. Bolton, I didn't have that, but I still made an effect to my, to you know, to my own, my own personal belief of communicating to people. Because once my name went on the ballot, then I get, I did get a lot of calls later come primaries. That's why they didn't see my name on there. People was really supportive of me, and they wanted to actually see me on there so I could run again. So they wanted to make sure that come the next election cycle, they will actually see my name on the ballot again. So I do plan on running again, twenty twenty two. I will start my campaign back up in January. I have already registered and everything. So, I mean, we'll see. But like I said, I wasn't concerned as much about the money. I think some of the candidates that ran, I think they raised about fifteen, twenty thousand dollars that they reported. The incumbent, you know, he comes, he has money, always had money because most incumbents always have a war chest that they can work with. And it goes to show you, even with that war chest, how they spend it because he or she with my campaign, he didn't spend that much because he never had anybody really made a threat to him. So he didn't have to go out and spend any of the money to counteract anything that I was saying against him per se. Let me talk a little bit about, um, from my angle, I have not chosen yet to run as a candidate, but I have worked on many campaigns, not yet. I see that word yet, yet, yet. So, But I've worked on many campaigns, always volunteering, giving back, helping I call it the silent campaign manager, but have had to do a lot behind the scenes. So for those of you who are listening and you are interested in running for a particular office, let's talk about a little bit why the money is important. If you're running for a local seat, you may only be talking about 30, 40 streets in your neighborhood that you're covering. So if you're looking at a local seat, maybe a city council position or a school board, your area that you're having to market and promote to may be a little bit smaller. Also, depending on where you're located, how big your city is and the population. So it may, and it costs to run. So let's talk about that. If you Mm -hmm. are running, there is an initial fee that you have to pay to your particular party, whether it's a Democratic Party, Republican Party, or if you're running independent, you have to have a, a fee. That fee is determined by the seat that you're running for, whether it is a Senate seat or commissioner seat or state representative seat. So all of that. So when we talk about the money to run, we're not just talking about when you see the multi-million dollar ads on television. It can be expensive just to run in a local election. So with that being said, you do have to calculate how large is my territory? How many homes am I going to um, visit? Do I want to put up door knockers? As, as I'm doing this marketing, everyone is not like Antonio and who's tech savvy mm-hmm. and, able, and able to do their own website, create their own logos, create their own flyers and marketing materials. So 
just on a small local scale, it can cost you thousands of dollars just to get started in the beginning. Now, let's yeah. talk about running for a county-wide seat. Dr. Bowden and Antonio Hicks was running for something that was a little bit more statewide that covered more counties involved. So now we're talking about getting outside of your local county. I'm in Douglas County. So if I'm running for, let's say, a House rep seat or a Senate seat, you may be crossing county lines. You may be in Douglas, uh, parts of Paulding, but a little bit of South Fulton. You may cross into um, Cobb County. So when we're talking about why is the money important and not important, I hope that it's making you think, wow, I never really thought about that. This is not just a board seat. So I want to let Dr. Bowden kind of speak on what are some of the challenges that you had as you was trying to raise money for your campaign and what are some things that you learned from that? Well, hold, before she gets started, I'm going to say this too. Thank you. Y'all, shout out to Tamika. Tamika always come in with keeping things in line and in order because I bounce around. Um, but yes, I don't believe that you should have to pay to play because what she said is the truth. Before you can even get your name on the ballot, you have to pay to get your name on a ballot. And for a congressional seat, it is $5,000 just to get your name on a ballot. So go ahead, Dr. Bolton. I'm sorry. Don't don't they give you an option, though? Because for um, at the state level, for the state races, yeah, there's a fee. Our fee was only $400. Well, I say only because it's not as much as, you know, a lot of the other races. It's not even as much as school board, I believe. But... Um, as an alternative, you can do a pauper's affidavit, which is if you can't afford to pay the fee to get your name on the ballot, you can get signatures. And it's no. a percentage of... Uh, y'all don't have that? No, they, they cut it out for, uh, for this. For this they, they changed it up for this, ele- this past election cycle that's going through right now to where, no, you have to have the $5,000. It used to be either you can get the signatures, which is 10% of what you have of the district itself, or you can pay the $5,000. I was prepared to do both. But then I found out that the signatures are no longer, they don't, they don't count those anymore. You have to come in with the money. Okay. Yeah. So I, I did, um, I didn't, I didn't do the signatures because you have to prove the poppers affidavit. You can't just choose to do it at the state level. So yeah, I went ahead and paid that. But before I answer your question, Tamika, I wanted to iterate something that you said, um, Antonio, that I really didn't think about before. Basically, when you were speaking early on, what I heard you say is that the money is basically just another form of branding. Because if you're already known in the community, well known, then you don't use as much of your money to promote um, who you are in the campaign. Because when you're brand new, you need money to introduce yourself to uh, the community, whether that's through your um, mailers or through events or whatever the case is. And then after you've introduced yourself as a candidate, then you can just promote vote for me now. But um, when you're already known, it's just, it it does um, make it to where you don't necessarily need as much money. I'm going to give one example, then I'm going to answer the question. The incumbent in the race that I was running in she, um, if you go back and you look at her records, she really didn't spend money on campaigning at all for the past um, three election cycles, even though she had one challenger. And that's because um, that challenger, 
you know, after a couple of times, people did become more familiar with who that challenger was. But like you said, she didn't see her as a threat because in year in year one, nobody knew who she was and she didn't have enough money to brand herself. Um, and, and in subsequent election cycles, she still didn't raise enough money to brand herself. So she just had that same base voting for her every time because she didn't need any money to get their votes. They already were familiar with her. They knew she was going to run and they expected to vote for her. So money is a form of branding. That's why that grassroots being in the community is so important. Very important. Um, I didn't talk so much. I forget what the question was. (laughs) What was your experience with running? And then I guess, yeah. Have you experienced running any concerns or complaints that you might have had during your race? And how do you feel about the whole money? That's my question. How do you feel about money being a part of the campaign in itself? So I raised about $9,000 in my race. Um, And I saw from, I got a little, I got started a little bit late, but I knew that the incumbent never really kept more than about $20,000 in her campaign account. And, and she really didn't spend any more than about two or $3,000 at most, maybe five. And that was her giving do- donations to different organizations. It, at least how she reported it, it didn't look like she was doing much campaigning at all. So I thought, you know, 9,000 was a good number. And I struggled to raise more because I got a lot of small dollar donations from people in the community. And like I said, if people in the community know who you are, then you really don't have to, you know, use your money to brand and convince them to vote for you. They're going to do it. Um, But I tell you this, when the incumbent did start raising money, and then one of the other challengers, uh, she's a lawyer. Her husband is an elected judge right here in DeKalb County. So they already have the connections. They have the people with money and they would get um, those lawyer dollars and judge dollars. So they end up raising about $70,000 to my 9000 Um, And then there was the other lady who had been running for the last two election cycles. She was known because she's been on the ballot. The lawyer was known because her husband is a judge. And then you have the incumbent that's been in the seat for 30 years. So I was the underdog. I should have significantly or severely underperformed in this race. But I was the only one as connected to the community as I was. So though I didn't win, I just missed the runoff by seven percentage points. And if you look at how much money she raised as compared to me, that you know, that's nearly 10 times more almost because she continued to raise after, you know, after the last reporting period. Um, so if money was a telltale of who would perform the best in, in a race, I should have been last in place. But actually... I got double the number of votes of the woman who had been running for the last three election cycles. So it's it was hard doing all that during a uh, pandemic. To be honest, I at one point I just stopped fundraising because I said people are struggling. They don't have money to give me because, like I said, most of my money was coming from the community. I was getting a lot of small dollar donations, and then I just spent time doing more, like giving out. Um, delivering meals, giving out personal protective equipment, uh, having forums for small business owners to see how they can get some of that CARES Act money. 
So I just refocused my entire campaign to support the people in the community, stop campaigning, stop raising money. And I was kind of, after I say this, I'm gonna let y'all speak because I've been talking a long time, but I was kind of concerned about the fact that the people who was raising all the money, they wasn't using it to do the things in the community that they said they would do once they got elected. That was very concerning to me. If you do want to help the community, like this is the perfect time to do it. Everybody is struggling. You have the money to do it. But they weren't doing it at all. They weren't doing it at all. And I think that also gave me a leg up because I chose to change the direction of the campaign to do prove to you that I can and will do those things once I'm elected. Uh, I mean, yeah, to touch on that too, though, because it's funny because I guess it, that, that would work on our part of town, but who was it? Um, Derek, what is Derek's last name? Anyway, it's a guy, Derek, that ran for office out in Gwinnett County. He did the exact same thing. He had, he was out at the churches. He was doing like the Meals on Wheels during when the pandemic first started. I mean, you whenever you saw him out anywhere, he was always doing fundraising to give back to the community and make sure people have stuff. He, he did a um, back-to-school drive to get kids stuff for their school. But man, when it came time to vote, they voted for the guy. <laughs> they voted for the candidate running against him. They didn't vote for him. And I thought that was weird in itself because I said the one thing that you would, you should count on is like you just said, the person is out there being active. We're in the midst of a pandemic. People have lost their jobs. Over 40 some million people have lost their jobs. People don't have access to income. The jobs that are available are barely enough to take care of all of your bills in the house. So only thing you're trying to do is survive. And here it is, you have this guy out here. He bounced between all these different churches and making sure that you, everybody knows about, you know, the free food that he's given out. Always fresh vegetables and stuff. Everything was pretty much healthy. And then came time for his school to get started. He makes sure your kids had all your back to school supplies, everything. But then when it came time to cast the vote, they didn't vote for him. Did the community know who he was before all of this? Because they might have just thought it was a gimmick to get votes. You know how Trump do. He'll do stuff just to secure votes. No, so they they knew who he was. Um, they Because, I mean, before the whole virtual thing got started, Derek used to hold virtual town halls. So he was putting his name out there. Derek was always having all t- kinds of events. And then he's like an um, insurance agent within the community itself, too. So he was always doing stuff to help around the neighboring areas. He's volunteering a lot at Gwinnett County Democrats. So, I mean, he was, in my opinion, he was active. When I first met him, he was real active. And then, of course, once the pandemic hit, most people sat down. Like, even the guy that he was running against, the only thing that he did was go out and fly drones with his sign on it around people's houses. Now, like, to me, you fly a drone in front of my house, he might get shot. Because you can't fly, you can't fly no drone in front of my house with a sign on it. Because it, it, I don't know what's on the drone. I mean, you invaded my space. You know, I got no fly zones around the Hicks house. So you you can't <laughs> you can't fly this stuff around miles because it's target practice. Because I'm gonna go outside, you know, I'm gonna see what I can hit. But Derek was out in the streets because I used to tease him all the time. I'm like, hey man, you know, I hope you covering up because he would take pictures without his mask on. I'm like, I hope you covering up because you know you got a wife and some kids at home, and I would hate for you to get sick and then bring it back home to them. But he did it anyway. He did everything he could to make sure his name was out there. He assured people it just was not a gimmick. He was not out there trying to secure a vote. He was deeply concerned about the community. So let's talk about that. Not only does the money matter, showing up doesn't really matter. The key is getting people out to vote. So mm-hmm. whether you raise $100,000 or whether you raise $5,000, people, let's wake up. 
you must physically go vote. Yeah, I appreciate your meals and your lunches and your masks and whatever it is you're getting giving away during the time. But a lot of the elections that took that have taken place earlier this year, let's look at when they were. A lot of people were still afraid to kind of go out. We didn't feel the comfort level and we didn't have those same answers that we have now about masking up six foot, six feet apart, staying away from someone, bringing a water bottle, bringing a chair, the things that we're hearing now that's being emphasized, that wasn't the case three and four months ago when many of these special elections, um, county elections, statewide elections, when other elections were happening. So the key is something that we always talked about, um, Dr. Bolton, that I always mention on every, every, every episode, whether we're talking about voting or not, I always mention about staying engaged. When you're not engaged in what's going on in your town, in your community, whether this is the day to go vote, whether it's voting when it's not a presidential election, when you're not engaged, you can't speak up and you don't take accountability for your actions. So let's let's go back to, yeah, I might have raised only $9,000 and this person raised 15000 Do we really look at a popularity contest? Do people really look at who flyer I've seen? My son is four years old and he's like, mama, are we running for John Ossoff? We don't know anything about him. He just feels like I hear his commercials. I hear his name. I keep hearing it over and over and over again. He doesn't even really know about the presidential race, but he knows about John Ossoff. He knows about Warnock, not because we're just talking about it in the house, but because he's constantly seeing the ads. So that's where the money comes in at. Yes, we definitely want people to volunteer and serve their community. I I know that's a plus. But for those people who did not make it out to pick that meal up and they only and they wasn't able to see you, you have to get that message in front of them. Also, headshots are so important. I'm a marketing consultant. The way you dress, the way you look, how you present yourself, sometimes it has nothing to do with whether or not you serve. It just has to do with how you look. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so sometimes you just need money to capture the right look, the right um, event, the right avenue, the right message that you want to convey, to hire the right speech writer, to help someone just prepare you or your Zoom session, since now everything is in Zoom, how to present yourself. Some people really need to take a public speaking class. I met a candidate last weekend. We were at an event and I said, hi, you know, I've seen you on the signs. It's nice to meet you. And she was totally different in person. Face to face, having a a conversation with her. I'm gonna say mask to mask, because I mask up. So having a conversation with her was totally different. She told me why she was running, why it was important to her. She even talked about some of the things she's done. But on that town hall meeting, I was embarrassed by well, I mean, her responses and her actions. So it does take some prep work to go into it for some people. Go ahead, Tonya. But, you know, we talked about it last episode about people getting to what is it? Uh, learning how to speak in front of a crowd. I mean, do some Toastmasters, uh, take some Franklin Covey classes on leadership. What did I, I mean, when we were out on Saturday about what I was doing to help my performance. Do you remember that? No, go ahead and remind me. You know, sometimes I'm uncomfortable speaking to certain groups of people 
So me going out into the community is one way that I learned to speak more fluently. You remember that conversation? I do. I do remember that conversation. But the thing too is though is, okay, now that's meeting one-on-one. What about meeting in front of a crowd of people and getting more comfortable with talking in front of not just 10 or 20, but like 100? It's easier in front of a crowd because usually when there's a crowd, there's a space or distance between you and them. So you have your own personal space to get comfortable. You don't usually see their faces clearly. So you can envision whatever is necessary to get you through that moment. But a one-on-one is very revealing. You can see their facial expressions and how they respond to something you're saying Mm -hmm. or it's the subtle things and you feel more vulnerable when you're one-on-one because that person is giving you their undivided attention as opposed right. to with the crowd. You know, sometimes they get distracted by their neighbor whispering in their ear or whatever the case may be. I think it's easier with the crowd. Well, then, I mean, but yeah, so that was still... I mean, you still can learn that in, in the school or some classes you can take because that's, to, to me, that's all about like your charm and how comfortable you can get when just like, you know, swooning somebody. Because really when you're going, when you're meeting somebody one-on-one, it's almost like, even when you're trying to date somebody, you're trying to sell yourself and you're trying to come with the best way possible. Sometimes, you know, it's not easy. Sometimes you get a little nervous, but you got to always have like an icebreaker. For me, I, I'm just silly. I mean, I just I'm just a silly person. I like to have fun. I think, you know, life is too hard right now. I just have to put a smile on somebody's face, whether you like it or not. Because eventually I'm going to get on, I'm going to get onto the topic to get you to understand why I'm even talking to you. But it took practice to do that. Because I used to be a hardcore introvert. I didn't want to be bothered by anybody. I wanted people to leave me alone. I hated people half the time. I wanted people to just let me, give me my work. Let me work on my computers and then just, you know, bounce. And I'll holler at you later. Some of that preparation um, can be done like in your own time, like Tamika mentioned, you know, seeing the candidate on the town hall forum, which is controlled by another entity versus speaking with her in person. In COVID, I did my own sort of town halls every Wednesday mm-hmm. where I would go live, I would talk to people about whatever the issue, whether it's COVID, my campaign, my background while I'm running. And then, you know, on the lives, that gives them the opportunity to communicate with you, ask direct questions. So even doing things like that, it helps give people another side of who you are. And I know she was mentioning or implying whether, you know, Derek was doing any of those things and if that affected his race. I I think potentially doing that regular communication, even this, this podcast, like that helps outside of the formal town hall type environment that helps people feel like they can relate to you they want to know more about you and then when it's time to vote you know they'll remember how you made them feel right because it, right it's like you said you got to be relatable and i mean i think that like in doing this podcast says since you brought a podcast i like to come raw and you know, i like to come a little bit uncut and not as polished like tamika says when it comes time to actually get into the campaign because i want people to see like me for me and anybody I have come out as a guest or, or my co-host, I want them to see the person as an individual. Same as when I was actually running for office. And for me, when I even meet a candidate, I want to know who the candidate is outside of you giving me your script. I want to see how you are around your kids. I want to see how you are with other people in the community. I want to see how you are with your constitu- constituents. Can you be a relatable person? Can you be down to earth? 
can you have fun? If you're so pre-programmed and then when I finally get you to a one-on-one and your demeanor is not as nice and as cool as you present yourself to be, I, you're not getting my vote. Matter well, fact, let's I'm talk about most people voting. Let's talk but about then, most people vote. Right. So, yeah, we're going since, since we're gonna, we're gonna to talk about how the older people vote. <laughs> so this, this is the problem I have with the older generation. And I love my elders. I love y'all. I love my elders. Don't you but, kiss nobody off. I'm, I'm not. I'm trying not to, but you cannot tell me that you're gonna vote for somebody just because they look good in the suit. You can yes, take you, that yes, somewhere else. Can. <laughs> yes, you can. That means nothing that, at all. That is your average mindset of people. People are not engaged. They are not informed. They are mm-hmm. not actively seeking, researching, looking up who the candidates are, where mm-hmm. they come from. People are not doing due diligence and we have more access now to Mm -hmm. information than ever before. We have their Instagram, their Twitter, their Facebook. You still can go into these settings and of course when you're engaged and you're around people, we're constantly having these conversations. You can ask some people, start asking people who's the mayor in your town? Keisha Lance Bottoms. No, Keisha's in Atlanta. You live in Morrow. Right. So you get that constantly. Who's your county commissioner? Please don't ask about tax commissioner. And whatever you do, don't ask who's on your school board and their kids in school. Oh, Mm -hmm. we got a school board? So when you start engaging with people differently, you start to see how people think. They really vote because they saw his advertisement or they vote by their demographics in the party. And some people even vote, oh, I'm going to vote for you because you knocked on my door. I go knock on doors with people. And when I'm volunteering with them, they only voting... I'm voting because you came by my house. Well, thank you. I, I take the, but I mean, I will take that to a degree, but don't tell me you're going to vote for somebody just because they look good in the suit. Because then you, aren't you also telling me in the church that the Antichrist is going to be able to swoon and love everybody and he or she going to be beautiful? So you're trying to tell me, so it's okay for the devil to show up and, yes. and why you in? No, no. This and that's why, that's why we have the problems we have right now. This morning on the Ricky Smiley Show. Listen, this morning on the Ricky Smiley Show. Hold on, Dr. Bolton. I'm going to let This morning on the Ricky Smiley Show, their guest, this is exactly what he said. They lie to your face and they lie with a straight face. They sure do. <laughs> so whether it's straight in a suit or if it's straight in some jogging pants. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Dr. Bolton say I'm not going to uh, knock it because that's the reason why I made sure I took some good head shots because I knew somebody was going to say I'm going to vote for her because she cute. It, it does matter. A cup, I heard it with my and own you, And you talked about not feeling comfortable or being able to you know speak in front of certain groups and speak in front of a crowd. That's why you always have to prepare that one minute 30 seconds and that 15 seconds because sometimes it's not how long you talk is what's important in what you are saying when you talk. So mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily have to be a 10 minute speech, but when you're deliberate and intentional, then it's going to come out different. So it may be something that you, let's talk about now when you're looking at a YouTube advertisement in four seconds, you decide whether or not you want to continue to watch the ad or whether or not you want to close that ad down. So it's not about the quantity it's the quality of what you're putting out. So anyone that's interested in becoming a politician or you're looking to run for office, you need to prepare your 10 seconds, 15 seconds, your 30 seconds, time yourself, practice in a mirror so that you have those key things that you want to talk about that you can repeat over and over again in your sleep. And you need to be a chameleon. 
You oh. need to be a chameleon because not everybody want to see you in a suit. And I'm going to tell you that right now. If you think that everybody want to see you in a suit, come out to the block. They're going to be like, no, we don't have time for that. We got no pastors around here. You're like, I ain't no preacher. Well, whoever you are, we ain't trying to buy it. Just keep on moving. So, yes, you have to be able to be flexible. And I mean, you can change your style. Like a lot of people wanted me to cut my hair. But then I got so much compliments on my hair. And people was like, well, we liked it because you're unique. So don't always listen to the hype. I mean, go by what makes you comfortable. Yes, I will say, now you do have to dress up sometimes. You do. You do. You do. Does it have to be all the time? No, it just depends on the environment. Go ahead, Dr. Bolton. I know you're going to say something. I'm sorry. Oh, you see it on my face? Yes. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, you know what? You're right because I, um, when I was doing my town halls and my lives and posting pictures and all that, I saw myself as being comfortable not too formal, but then I did speak to somebody who watched me regularly. And when they in that conversation, similar to what you had alluded to, Tamika, they were um, telling me, you know what? Like, you seem like a real person now. You don't, you know, you're not political or a politician. You're regular. I can talk to you. You're relatable. And sometimes it's just the perspective. Mm-hmm. It's the perspective because I didn't even realize it at all. Right. And see, that's the thing. It's like you have to, and I guess it's unique to us. I think I think what helps us out, and I, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm going to jump back into race. And I hate to jump back into race. That's what Tamika and I, we, we float between sides. But I'm about to go on Tamika's bandwagon today. Um, we have to know how to code switch. So that's the, the biggest thing for us that helps us out is we, we have to know how to code switch. When you're in the boardroom, is the you know the yes sir no ma'am you speak with like you, you actually picked up a book and read it you speak with elegance but then when you get around you know like-minded people man what's up Charlotte? let me tell you what's really going on and i mean people appreciate that i mean ladina saw herself <laughs> ladina saw herself when i came out and help her out and the young democrats what was it the um the get people out to vote the absentee ballot drive the absentee ballot drive it was a young man there they came from kirkwood now, I wasn't about to walk up to this dude and talk to him like a straight up politician. I talked to him like I like any other realtor, like we from the streets. because I came from the same block he came from. And he appreciated that. He appreciated so much. He hung around. He did videos. He took photo shoots with us. Homeboy was posing on the stairs. He was like, get my good side. Matter of fact, let me call my boys up and make sure they get out to vote. So it's about how you relate to people. And then, you know, whoever listening, I don't care if you're white, black, Indian, green, alien. I don't care who you are. Learn how to code switch. What goes for one might not always work for everybody. So you have to be flexible when you're running for office or when just even when you're campaigning and talking to different groups and not everybody agree with you. Not all Democrats agree with Democrats. Not all Republicans agree with Republicans. So let's just let's just face it. Not everyone came from the same side of the track or any track or not every African-American is from the hood. So for me, I don't always like to be sister girl because my name is Tamika. You know, sometimes you might get Tamika. It just depends on the day. But I I have, she might be Tamika, she might be T. (laughs) Clark. But you you have to know how to turn it on and how to turn it off. And those are things of sometimes people have to pay for that. And sometimes you can be too real. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you can be too one-sided to where you do not relate to anyone. You know, mm-hmm. who who are your constituents? Who what area do you live in? Where do they go to school? Where do they eat? What kind of restaurants are around? Where do you see yourself? Where do you show up on a daily basis? So you may feel like these things are simple, but 
going in the grocery store when you're campaigning with your sweats on and your tights and your it, it might work in one neighborhood but it might not work in another neighborhood so it does totally depend on where you are and where you're from and you do need to know how to turn it on and turn it off so great point Antonio Dr. Bolton looks like he's getting ready to say something <laughs> no I was following her I felt like I needed to take notes during that time like okay really because I'm still learning like even though I ran and I'm active there is still a whole lot to learn and it really is and I want to say kudos to you for running you and Antonio for anyone who's physically able to go down and put their name on that ballot because 50% of me is fear and the other 50% is I don't want to be bothered with some of y'all. I just want to work behind the scenes. <laughs> I like that part about it, but I know my time is coming. And then feeling what's comfortable to you. I don't want to be a seat filler. So yes, have I been asked to run, especially during this election? Oh, it'll be easy. You will be mm-hmm. the first African-American to ever hold this seat. If you're running for all the wrong reasons, I don't care how much money you raise. If you win, you're going to fail. And you do not want to set your own self up for failure. I'm like, no, my kids are small. So sometimes it can be an excuse. And then sometimes it can be a reality check, right? Mm-hmm. That right now I am in a different space in my life. So it's not that I won't run, but there are so many other things you can do from an advocate standpoint from volunteering on campaigns to donating. Yes, people do need your money. I don't care if it's $5. Dr. Bolton mentioned, I was getting small amounts. Well, if I get $1,005, I only have, I have $5,000. But if I I only get four donors who gave me $250, I'm only getting $1,000. So when you think about, that is really how President Obama won his campaign. It was the $5 because you felt like you could include everyone. So when a million people give you $5, it changed the narrative. So that's why you hear people talk a lot about no amount is too small because it adds up in the long run. Those t-shirts may cost $4.99, but if someone could make a donation to your campaign and just standing outside holding a sign. So there's a lot that can be done. There's a lot of things that you can learn from. I'm sure with both of you, you've learned a lot from your first campaigns and I'm sure it won't be your last and it's a good thing that we've all met so you have someone now that can help you and give you some great advice and um, keep it going so we'll see how it goes on your next election yeah Tamika shot today she uh <laughs> she's well versed and she groomed me a lot too but um I do encourage people to get out and serve and then not just serve in a small setting I think the number one thing that helped me out is that I was in leadership in my own company prior to even deciding to run for office. I used to lead a team of 30-something people and I led a team of another 17 people across the board. I've always had to speak before board meetings and stuff. And then outside of that, I served as vice president of our local um, Bell South Pioneers. So we had to get out and talk to the youth. We had to mentor the youth. We had to feed the homeless. Then I volunteered for United Way. So I did a lot of um, leadership work in the United Way. So I was like, oh, I was used to being in front of a crowd of people and used to getting out, speaking to people and telling them what the objectives were, even having to give them hard information sometimes they didn't necessarily agree with. And I think those are the things that help build you up and build that confidence up to where if you do feel that need, because I felt the need. I mean, because I didn't be through all my own personal hardships and I'm tired of seeing people suffer in, in my state and across this country, which is what led me to actually get out and vote. Because even outside of this, I mean, just like Dr. Bolton, just like to me, you know, I have a career. Like I didn't grow up being a career politician. 
I'm a network security engineer. I love IT stuff. I love game I'm doing. You know, I love doing radio stuff now. The so nerd. I am a nerd. I'm proud to be a nerd. I am too. I'm a cool nerd. I I'm can't proud. even talk. Yes. I love to read books. I like traveling. Yes. I love work. I work in education. <laughs> Shout <laughs> out to the nerd. We're the cool nerds. <laughs> we sure are. And I'm the one that'll fight you too. Because <laughs> that was... <laughs> I, I was that nerd that got picked on in school. And I was like, you know, I'm tired of getting bullied. So I took a boxing, then it converted over to kickboxing, and it converted over to mixed martial arts. So, yes, yes, I am that one that you don't want to try. But, you know, I'm all love. <laughs> I'm all love. So, yeah, I mean, going to get back on topic. So, yes, I encourage people to run for office. If you've never ran before, we need more people to run across all local seats and on all federal levels. These people that's in office right now will not be there forever. Hence why the other side, Republican side, is pushing so hard to get more of their people in there. Because Democrats, you know, but they, I'm going to be real about Democratic Party. The Democratic Party, and I'm a Democrat too, I'm a progressive Democrat, they want new blood in there. But they want new blood to look like the older people that's in there right now, which doesn't necessarily line up with how the state of the economy is right now and the people and what they're getting out marching for and what they're looking to see in their next leadership. So I think in that aspect of it, even us as, as people and constituents, we have to change our mindsets on who we look at as potential candidates and what they can do for the individual, their state, their community, and for this, this and for the United States as a whole. Because if you're looking at somebody that's in office already, why would you want to repeat that same cycle? Just clone the person over to a younger person. Why would you even want that? Well, Something. a lot of people are just running because they like a title. That doesn't mean because they get yes. in office, they're not yeah. going to be a seat filler. So, Antonio, no, I like to challenge some of the things that he say. I want new blood and I want people to run, but hold your own self accountable. Like he said, if you have never led an organization, you've never ran for anything, you haven't even been to a local PTA meeting, I don't want your name on the ballot because you're going to fail us. You're going to be so disappointed. You won't even take cupcakes to the kids' classroom. Mm -mm. I'm, I'm not for it. Just because you are who you say you are, you have a title at work. A lot of people hide behind those titles. They don't do anything for anybody mm -hmm. else. You won't even give somebody a parking space. No, that is not who we need on our team. So I'm one for doing your homework, doing your research, getting to know people in your area, joining local organizations, Democratic Women's Council, um, Federation of Democratic Women or other organization if you're not Democratic, but get involved somewhere in the political process to where you can learn. Not every politician is bad. I, I, don't, I don't agree with that. Not everyone out there is lying, scheming, cheating, trying to take your money. There are really some genuine people who want to see change in America and who want the best for their community. So if you're one of those people, start working on it. Know when the election is, because some elections are every two years, yes. some are every four years, and there are some special elections if someone either moved to a different position or get appointed in, in a seat or, of course, pass away, or if they just decide they do not want to run and they step down. So be on the lookout for those things, and the only way you know is if you are involved and you're speaking and talking to other people about what's happening in your area. So we're gonna turn it over, Dr. Bowden. One last thing: Do you have any other? Do you have any questions for us, or would you like to make any statements before we wrap up? And thank you so much for joining us today. 
uh, I wasn't prepared to wrap up just yet, but I did want it to mention you guys were talking about new talent, good talent, and what type of talent. So I'm an executive committee member on the DeKalb Young Democrats. And one thing I've been encouraging the president to do is instead of us talking about the type of people that we want, we should solicit those young folks and actually go out and seek them. Because most of us who are in one organization, more than likely, we're committed to another one as well. And we see all these great people that we work with and we don't do enough to encourage folks to run for office as if it's some foreign thing that we that we just don't do so if you know in any circle that I'm in or even if I'm out just talking to people and they strike me as somebody who would be a good leader I always put that nugget in their ear I put that seed in their head because one day they may might just take advantage of it and you know, if they are the great leaders that they are perceived to be, they'll take, you know, small but consistent steps to position themselves to do that. But I think that is so important um, that we seek people. And I actually told the incumbent that I was running against, you know, you've been in the seat for 30 years, have, and you know, one day you're, you're going to have to leave that seat at some point, whether you pushed out or whether you leave. And during this time, have you, you know, I, mentored anybody to replace you and you know what she told me was well nobody ever asked me I said well that's not something that people commonly do because they don't know it's an option but if you see somebody Mm -hmm. did you ever encourage them or you know like I said put that seed in their head that hey potentially you can do this thing because what I don't like to see is that every election it's like we're reinventing the wheel we're starting all over again if we get new leadership as opposed to uh, training up a new generation of leaders to take us forward. And that's something I'm really, really encouraged to push in the DeKalb Young Democrat organization because we're getting a a lot of young, especially minority women that are starting to look in that direction. As we wind down and we're going to continue on this conversation later on, uh, again, I'm going to let close out with Ms. Tamika Day and then we're going to roll over with Dr. Bolton. Yes, Ms. Tamika Day has to give closing arguments, the procession. She got to give communion out to the congregation to let everybody know, you know, what we, how she feel and what to expect. I'm just going to say this current election cycle is wearing me out. I'm just going to be truthful. It has made me a little bit voter anxiety, but we know that there's much work to do and much work has to be done. So I want to close with when you're investing in yourself, you want to be your very best self. You know what it takes whether that's with education or without education, you must be prepared for your future. So I am Tamika Day. Success is my superpower. And thank you for joining. Antonio, it's on you. Dr. Bolton, so like Tamika just did, we'd like to leave with something positive to give back to the people. So I'm going to give you my word to give over to you so you can bless us with your uh, positive thing to give out to the people. Come on, summon it up for themselves, doctor. (laughs) Something positive. Um, vote for me in 2022. Lord. I love it. I love it. I love it. Donate to her campaign, even yes. if you're able to vote for her in 2022. We will keep you up to date on what's going on with the vote. Thank you for that. I, but, but seriously, though, um, like I said, I'm always in the community. I was raised in DeKalb County, raising my children here. So I'm always looking for ways to improve. So, 
I would really appreciate if we could continue this conversation. You can email me at join us at Bolton for DeKalb. You can check out my website, Bolton for DeKalb, or I'm also very responsive and active on Instagram and Facebook, which is also Bolton for DeKalb. <laughs> yeah, so I always say, you know, I, I have to leave with something uh, positive. But one thing I will say, leadership is not defined by a title. Leadership is not defined by a position. Leadership is how you treat yourself and the loved ones you come into contact with and the people you meet on a daily basis. That defines your leadership and your caring nature for other people. And if you can't do that, you do not deserve that title in itself. So thank everybody for tuning in. Until the next time, happy podcasting. Peace out.